means that for a CPA firm, we are able to connect with their clients' accounting data real time and deliver the information that they really need to do their work. What does that mean? That means we are pulling in real-time information and automating the adjustments, the mapping, the real manual details that a CPA does for a tax return. You know, so uh, you know if a if a penalty needs to come in or if there's a, a tax significant item that comes in, we can alert you to that. We can automate that adjustment. We can start to build these tax returns and tax plans real time throughout the year. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success a podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Mark McCarran, Managing Partner at Arrowroot Family Office. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Rory. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you for coming on again. Uh, we are joined today by the Marketing and Client Experience Director at Once Accounting, formerly Bayco Tech, which is, he started with his father, Ford Baker. Once Accounting is a member of the AICPA and CPA.com Accelerator Program and is a middleware client integration platform that manage, manages clients' books in a single location. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Will Baker. Will, Will welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. Excited to be here. All right. So we always get started here and, and get a background for our audience. Can you kind of talk to our audience what led you to, to start Once Accounting? Yeah. So um, the idea is my, my, my dad, who I will refer to as Ford throughout the show as, uh, as his force of habit at this point, which is weird. Um, but uh, Ford had run his own CPA firm for as long as I can remember. Um, and he built this tool over time um, and uh, kind of starting in 2012, he, he built this tool um, that uh, helped him be a lot more efficient with his clients. It was a kind of a long process that he had at first monkeyed around in Excel with some stuff and then some different hosting methodology that was kind of cutting edge at the time. Um, you know, uh, Ford's always been like early adopter when it came to mm -hmm. tech. And so he was, um, he was out the gate with cloud platforms and document management yeah. earlier than anybody. He was out the gate with hosting and that kind of stuff earlier than everybody was. Um, and so he started getting frustrated with a lot of the pain points that were around his workflow around, uh, particularly that of gathering information for a client tax return, um, how to manipulate that data to come into their workflow and get it out the door. Um, yeah. so he was a, he was a CPA, you know, uh, is a CPA. And um, I, growing up, I just watched him and his life kind of get dominated by that industry. Um, it got out of control for him to the point that uh, in like 20, uh, 2012, 2013, he was over 400 pounds and, um, wow. you know, just was really out of shape um, and really in bad health. And he was working a ton and um, he changed his life. We had some really good conversations, my mom and him and I about 
um, some opportunities and he really took his health seriously for the first time and he lost a lot of weight. Um, by 2014, he was down to like 220, 210 pounds. Um, and he just really noticed a difference in his outlook and he wanted to create something that could do the same for other public accountants. And so he started building this um, and I started working with him at my old company, um, just helping with like marketing and consulting projects for it. Cause he built this, he had hired a CTO, got a SBA loan. Um, and this was like 2018, 2019. And he recognized like, okay, I need to start monetizing this somehow. So he was going to upsell it as a, uh, service in his CPA firm. And then we issued a press release um, while I was still working with another company and it got picked up by Thomson Reuters, which brought a lot of, uh, you know, investment to the table. And um, so we ended up getting started in 2020. And around that time, I was, um, I'd been at the same job for about five years and um, was looking for a change. It was my first job out of college. And he said, hey, I'd like for you to come on board and help start this thing up. Um, and kind of do some of the things that you've been doing for me already, but in a more formalized role. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I got there. It was a really cool opportunity for, um, for me to come in and, you know, there's a lot of potential with this technology. And so for me to be able to step in and help my dad, help my family and actually put some sweat equity into something rather yeah. than it be like, Hey, my dad built this technology and it helped our family for generations to come, which is what we hope may be able to happen. But um, so it's been a cool experience and I was um, eager to jump at it. Yeah. Sure. And doing my research here on your will, you were part of the AICPA, CPA.com accelerator program. I know there's Y Combinator for technology companies out there. Can mm -hmm. you kind of discuss what went into that accelerator program and, and what you got out of it? Yeah, so we're we're still in the midst of the accelerator program, like as wow. we, and so we, um, you know, we in 2020 thought we were going to go straight out to market, um, and then we all know what happened in 2020, and so we had to pivot and change some things. We ended up rebuilding the product from the ground up. Um, we ended up reprioritizing some things and just started um, talking with people. You know, Ford will tell you that he, as a public accountant, he didn't do conferences. He didn't do yeah. trade shows. He didn't do for the last, you know, 10 years of his full-time public accounting career, he was more so focused on this technology and building this within his firm. And so he became really insulated. So we didn't really know anybody. We didn't know who the players were or anything like that. Um, and so in 2021, um, we started getting really involved with a guy named Rafael Casas, who's was at Sage and now is at or Oracle. And he was like, <clears throat> you guys need to get involved in the startup accelerator yeah. because your, your product's a shoe in for it. And this will really help you guys. Um, and so this is really like us being involved in the right group because our technology is more or less focused for uh, public accounting. There's some outside use that is definitely applicable for the technology, but our target market is public accounting, CPA, CPA firms. And so we felt like this was a really great spot for us to be because we're still very much a startup. We're still very much a young company and we needed the resources that uh, a more knowledgeable group like CPA.com could do. And they have been, you know, in the three months we've been involved in the program now, it's been, you know, like a, a gust of fresh air uh, in terms of just the resources that we've been able to tap into the guidance that we've been given 
um, <clears throat> and who we're able to connect with. And it's also just a validator for the product. Too. Yes. So when you're a startup and it's a new idea, you can kind of sound like a crazy guy on the corner. <laughs> in his neighbor, or this is the future. Um, so when we have someone like CPA.com and AICPA say like, hey, stamp of approval. Sorry, yeah. probably sound great on the podcast. Uh, stamp of approval. <laughs> it's a really good uh it's a really good thing for us. So we're, we're very grateful for that opportunity. And there's a ton of cool uh, texts that are involved in it too. You know, it's not just about us. There's several other members um, that are, are, are all really great pieces of functionality for CPA firms. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a couple of tech companies. I was raising money when Canopy raised 77 million and, and all of a sudden they went through that 77 million and I was building a similar product. So probably why I don't have any hair right now. Well, (laughs) so I I know the roles that you can, you know, play at a startup, you know, can you talk about the different hats you wear um, in that startup one? You talked about marketing and client experience. Can you, uh, you know, tell about what you do? So like my background um, was uh, I worked at a branding and marketing firm that specifically worked with nonprofits, churches, and small businesses. Um, and so it's a, that's a pretty big spectrum, but we developed several niche services in that. And I had a kind of focus on our technology side of things being the support sales strategy for all web-based projects, um, as well as, um, some of the other custom techs that they do. I started getting involved in that. And so that's what a lot of my background was and what I helped, uh, forward with when he was one of my clients at that company. And so when I came in, I started by, you know, basically standing up our brand, standing up our messaging, and um, with the help of one of my old coworkers who's now left and started a gig at Corn Ferry, a consulting company, um, we started developing market relationships. So that was where I started. Um, and then since then, uh, I have, you know, taken on more of a formal marketing role in terms of, um, you know, managing a marketing associate and um, helping deliver content. I do a lot of writing for us. I um, help do a lot of our education things for CPE, writing the content for, um, you know, any presentations we give for accounting web. So I'm writing mine and yeah. helping write boards. Um, and then I also am uh, pretty involved in our, our capital raise at this point. It's a family business. And so um, I've become a liaison more or less for capital raise. Um, and so as we've gone through, you know, a lot of friends and family rounds and pre-series stuff, I've helped spearhead a lot of that in the last year or so. Um, and, you know, put together pitch decks and all those kinds of things. And so, um, and then there's some like small operations things, you know, like you said, we all wear a lot of different hats. And so, um, but yeah, I think that covers kind of the gambit. And then any client that we bring on um, is kind of a tag team effort of like, I've helped build our onboarding path, if you will. Um, but we have uh, a sales director who helps walk them through that as well as Ford. And so we try to keep it in all, as, uh, all hands on deck for that client as we can. Um, but I've helped build out what that pathway looks like, which is why client experience is kind of pinned on my name. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say one thing, um... One thing I think is incredible is, is what you guys were able to do kind of out of like this story about your father getting to a point in life, you know, where he's like, what am I doing and what's it doing to me? And I want something different and hearing something like, 
like this big and and with your family and involving like your family and legacy is is actually like a really incredible thing yeah. it's like, it's almost like a phoenix out of the ashes story to some extent um yeah. i think that's very impressive yeah. um and we've, we've talked a little bit about like, you know, what it's like to start like a tech company and stuff, but I, I wanted to back up a second just to think about like people that might be listening to this and, and kind of get like an elevator pitch as to what the product would be for the end consumer, right? So if you, if an accountant was listening to this, like what is, what is the general pitch of the, of the product that is, as is built and continuing to be built and improved upon um, just so that like an accountant may have an idea of, of what they, what they would get as a consumer of it. Sure. So you heard Rory um, at the beginning of this say uh, that we are a client integration platform. So what does that mean? That means that for a CPA firm, we are able to connect with their clients accounting data real time and deliver the information that they really need to do their work. What does that mean? That means we are pulling in real-time information and automating the adjustments, the mapping, the real manual details that a CPA does for a tax return. You know, so uh, you know if a if a penalty needs to come in or if there's a, a tax significant item that comes in, we can alert you to that. We can automate that adjustment. We can start to build these tax returns and tax plans real time throughout the year because we're integrating with that client's data real time. Whereas a CPA right now is operating in a more nebulous state, even with the um, introduction of cloud technology and the mass adoption that's gone on in the last couple of years with QuickBooks Online and Xero and all of that, um, it's definitely easier to access for a CPA, but they're still not as on top of it as they should be. They're still operating in the rear view. So anytime a CPA is working on a tax return, they're working on last year's tax return. We're giving a CPA the ability to work on that tax return real time throughout the year alongside their client. Right. So for, for people that have really complex, like, like persons who have really complex tax situations who require tax planning and it like pretty much any business anyone can think of, you, you basically have gone from a situation where like, it is a, a, like client doesn't think about it unless they're asked. CPA has to ask, then client needs to provide data. Then CPA needs to do the work, then go back to client and, and say, Hey, thanks for all the information. Here's my analysis. Here's my advice you know, here's whatever prepayment we need to make right now. Like we should think about this deduction, that deduction, you know, depreciation over here, whatever, like in, exactly. in real time. So exactly. that, that's, that's super interesting. Okay. So that is, that is, that is an excellent elevator pitch. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking and for. And it provides, I'm assuming it provides updates and alerts. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's certain things, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty of the functionality, we have some functionality that allows you to write back to QBO if adjustments need to be made. Um, But then there's some things that do have to be addressed directly within the client's books. Um, And so, you know, it's, there's, there's some, there's some push and pull there, but a lot of it is, um, a lot of it's around just that, like, you know, uh, the way we put it as a company is that um, accounting, public accounting doesn't have, doesn't have issues in each individual silo of public accounting. So there's not an audit workflow issue and a tax workflow issue and a CAS workflow issue. There's an accounting data flow issue and that we have kind of inherently um, focused on the wrong things in what we are building our tools around, what we're building our services around at, at the data level. And so we have solved the problems at the data level. And so we can automate that data 
automate the things that CPA spend so much time um, just finished spending so much time doing, um, given that today's April 19th and the filing deadline is <laughs> 20th and the 20th. filing deadline was two days ago. Um, so, you know, that's where we get a little bit more granular about it, but the, the top line benefits are, like you talked about, like issues happen real time. Client makes a fixed asset, asset addition and it comes across your desk today. You know, hey, I see you did that. Let's update some depreciation schedules. Let's have a conversation about that. Or they just make erroneous bookkeeping mistakes that are like, you know, uh, you know, something that should be deducted that currently couldn't be deducted because of the way the books are classified. The CPAs um, able to get a lot more information on that. Yeah, that's. I, I think that solves a big problem. And now I'm also starting to see how, when you're saying like this doesn't just have to be a, a CPA problem. Like I'm a I'm a certified financial planner and an IRS enrolled agent, so I can I think I can see both sides of this, right? Like I see how this is definitely like a live tax data solution. Sure. Um, but furthermore, like it, it could it could totally cross over into the world of financial planning where 100%. certain things I have access to in real time and a lot of things I don't. And it, it makes it easy, like, like planning is easy when somebody gives you all their data when you need it and yeah. it's all correct data. But <laughs> the second something becomes a wrong. little old, stale, yep. wrong, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? So the analysis can, can kind of all become incorrect based on, on, on old data. So, you yeah, know, ultimately, I'm, like, it's just a, it's a good solution for like clean real-time data, which yeah. is, it's, you know, super simple explanation, but a, an incredibly difficult problem. Yeah, we, I mean, we've, we built this, Ford built this um, with tax in mind. He built it to make his job easier at his CPA firm and then realized that there was applicability for other people. Um, and then as we started having more and more conversations, people in large CPA firms that are in M&A are sitting there going, you can do what around consolidations? Like how, like we can do a, I mean, Ford filed consolidated tax returns for, um, a client this week that had eight different entities and he did it all in two minutes, you know, like there's just a lot of uh, efficiency around it. And then just the ability for us to, you know, stack consolidated financials is really efficient as well. So for people such as yourself that are working in family offices that have multiple interests, there's a lot of um, applicability as well. Yeah. It makes sense from all the workflow here. And I know you're going to be talking about workflow and capacity uh, at the Accounting Web uh, Lab Summit, uh, Will, can you kind of talk about um, those issues for the profession, really? And, you know, what what's the outlook on, on how to solve, you know, the, the, the capacity problems? Yeah, no, I mean, so it, I, I, I make this comment in my presentation. It's funny that capacity is like now what we're calling it because <laughs> I grew up with a I grew up with a CPA. I was born in March. We didn't celebrate my birthday until after filing deadlines a lot of times because he was so busy. He was working a couple, you know, 80, 100 hours a week. And that's something that's baked into the industry. And it's something that's expected. That's capacity issues. If you have seasonal, like, you know, 80 hour weeks for weeks on end, that's capacity. That's a problem. Um, and so I think that it's something that's long existed in public accounting. What's being more felt now is something that's being felt across all industries, but um, you know, there's a smaller talent pool. There's yeah. less people coming into the industry. Um, and you look at public accounting, 
basically everything's trending down in terms of people coming in. The amount of work that is uh, coming in is trending up. So we see that there's a lot more work coming in, COVID, uh, the pandemic, PPP loans, all of the economic relief that brought in a ton of work for CPA firms that isn't really going anywhere because clients realize the consulting value. Um, CAS is a huge growing market. There's a whole segment uh, ESG that is getting introduced yep. that um, the AICPA is working really hard to corner the reporting on. And so there's a lot more work coming into this industry. It's a growing industry, but there's less people coming in. And so that's you know the basis of the conversation that we'll start with. And what I will talk about in this and, and what I really am concerned about and believe is currently happening is right now a lot of the conversations in capacity are around how do we get more people involved how do we bring more people in because if you look at capacity as an issue of there's too much work and not enough people the obvious solution would be hey um let's bring in more people so yeah. if you balance that out it's going to balance but the argument that i make is that that's not the true issue of capacity is that you know, it's not a silo issue. It's it's an accounting data workflow issue. And so what we'll ultimately talk about is, you know, hey, here are great technologies. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to shout ourselves out in there, but that's not the <coughs> takeaway. I'm going to talk about some of these other techs that are in the AICPA accelerator. I'm going to talk about some other tech methodologies that are, um, you know, at the top level of firms are really widely adopted, but at the smaller level are not. And then um, we'll, we will talk about people too, um, because you see, this is something I mentioned in a conversation with uh, the folks at Accounting Web, you, know, you see a lot of the younger CPA firms bringing in people that aren't professionals, but they're not doing billable hours. And so they're using people to address different areas of the workflow to help address capacity overall. And so what the whole gist of what I want to talk about and the whole gist of uh, what I see is the issue with capacity and how it can be fixed in this industry is that it requires a fresh perspective. It requires us not looking at it going from a traditional standpoint of, hey, we have too much work. We need to hire more people. It's, gonna, it's more of a, we know that those people aren't coming. So what are we going to do? Like, yeah. let's find a new plan and address it in a different way. I mean, our tagline here, will at the podcast is don't fight the robots, team up with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I believe that those problems can be solved. You know, I know you've talked about it too. You almost got to take a tech perspective and, and apply project management to a lot of these solutions. And setting yeah. up these workflows, a lot of these tasks are deadlines that need to be met and really putting a project manager or an operations yep. person to yep. solve a lot of these issues. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there's so much, uh, there's so many younger cutting edge, like firm of the futures that yes. are, you know, putting in place these director of operations, these project managers. Uh, I was on a call with one of them the other day, we were talking about our technology and I asked him, I was like, what do you do? He said, basically everything that doesn't have to do with the numbers of our clients. Yeah. And a lot of old school CPA firms see a hire like that as wasted resources because, you know, they're focused on the bottom line billable and yeah. this guy is a full-time job that is probably paid pretty well if you're at a substantially sized CPA firm, and, but he's not billable. So, you know, there's, there's some resistance to that, but I think that just has to change if you're really going to adopt and adapt. Yeah. And I've talked to Blake about this and a number of other people that we've had on the podcast about the branding issue within the profession. 
you know, it's not a sexy profession. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people go into tech, uh, in media. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, how do you, and your, your marketing background, how do you, how do you say we can solve this, this branding issue to make the profession more attractive? I think it has to start with youth. It has to start yeah. with, um, you know, the younger CPAs not feeling so miserable about the outlook. Yeah. You know, there's a, whenever I talk about the smaller CPA firms, I think of this guy in Dallas that I've kind of developed a friendship with over the last couple of years. Um, he is a, uh, he's a partner at a CPA firm here in Dallas. He bought into this CPA firm and he has no decision-making power. He still has to run everything past the senior partner. And, you know, that's just not a great way to run a business. Like, I would be incredibly frustrated if I put my own money into a business and I didn't have any say and I didn't have any decision-making power. And, you know, it also is not setting this CPA firm up for success when that senior partner steps down and throws the key to the younger partner, because now the younger partner is going to start instituting all these changes and he's not going to have had opportunities to build up something. So it's putting CPA firms behind. And so, you know, for these CPA firms, I think looking at your youth and saying, you know, how can I put you in charge of some change? How can I put you in a position to lead some things and show that there is a light at the end of the tunnel to this, you know, terrible workflow. I mean, we have a a Ford CPA firm. Um, We have a, a girl that is pursuing her CPA right now. And, you know, she talks all the time about how it's just, you know, these kids spend forever and a ton of money going to get yeah. their CPA. And then they end up at a big four firm or a large firm and they're, you know, data monkeys for two years, yeah. just nose down, putting, you know, putting numbers on forms and that right there, that's how you kill youth movement is, yeah. you know, and now every, every kid has a voice. They all have yeah. TikTok, they all have Twitter, they yeah. all have Facebook. And so they're going to complain and um, leave the industry and people are going to know why. And so I think in order for us to really fix the branding, we have to fix the issues and the issues go a lot deeper than we don't have enough people working. Yeah, I'll add, I'll add that at this point, nobody, nobody ever wanted to, but, but I think the younger generation is also basically unwilling to accept the idea of like cramming you know, nine or 10 months worth of work into two and a half months and working a hundred hours at a time. Um, You know, they're not doing it on the banking level either. You know, like they're just rejecting this notion that that should exist. And so I personally, I think, I think some of this gets fixed on the client education level, like around surrounding things like extensions, right? Like an extension is not the worst thing in the world. Like April 15 or this year, 18 is not actually a hard deadline. It's just the deadline to eat like, to file an extension or file, you this know, is, and this is the deadline to tell the government like, hi, <laughs> yeah, that like, I'll be, I'll turn in, I'll turn in my homework six months from now. Right. Yeah. So, so clients need to be educated on things like, like an extension doesn't increase your audit risk. Like an extension doesn't cost you anything. Um, you know, it, and then on the other side, like CPAs need to be cognizant of the fact that they're going to need to figure out that they're going to have to do enough work to know 
if their client's going to owe or be in penalty, right? So like, because that does not change from the April 15 deadline. So I think that kind of stuff would be helpful, but you know, there's, there's issues on both sides. Like I see a lot of CPA say, I'm done with 1040 work. Like I'm only going to do planning work. I'm only going to do like businesses, like people that get it. So, you know, maybe the other side of this is that maybe 1040s need to be more expensive to prep because if they're not willing to actually educate, because if they have to do a thousand of them to make their business viable um, and it's not viable to educate and prepare a thousand 1040s, well, then maybe it needs to be 500 1040s and they need to cost twice as much, you know, but clearly something is going to have to change soon. Um, I think that that was going to be the case regardless of political environment, but the, the amount of tax changes that we've seen, you know, in legislatively in the last, I don't know, what, five years or four yeah. years since tax cuts and jobs act, we crammed 25 years worth of tax legislation into, into five, five years <laughs> between like Trump COVID and the new administration. Like it's a lot. So, you know, it, to your point, like a lot of things are going to need to change on both sides. Um, I think that tech will help some of it, but I do think client education and and maybe a little bit of uh, the next every administration doesn't need to change the tax code, <laughs> you know. This yeah, much. but you, we all know that they're going to. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's you well, know, but there, it wasn't always that way. That's true. That client education thing, um, you know, it, it, it's a really cool piece of functionality around um, our tech. You know, there's you're able to build alerts around really nuanced things. Like we have a default alert that's for the word gift in a memo. So if a client has a gift, the IRS limits those deductions to $25 and there's, you know, you know, eons of, uh, that's probably not the right use of that word. There's a lot of case law around um, alternative gifting methods. And so, um, you know, we're able to alert a CPA to that and help them educate their clients. So I've seen Ford who uses our product in his CPA firm. I've seen our other CPA firm clients, you know, record a screen video real quick and just be like, Hey, I saw this alert come across my desk and I saw that you were doing this with this expense. That's an error. You should in the future change these things to this, which just helps build better books, helps build a better tax return. And, you know, again, it's happening real time. So I think client education is indeed a huge part of it because uh, clients have access to even in QuickBooks Online this incredibly powerful accounting technology that 30 years ago business owners didn't have access to, and now I can do it all on my phone and add an expense, add a chart of accounts item, and not know what I'm doing really. And so to be able to educate clients, I, we 100% agree that's that's a huge part, and the onus of that should be on the CPAs. It's just tough when you got a thousand returns to get out the door. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when we started talking and one of our initial pitches in like uh, CPE topics was called why is busy season busy? And we uh, laid out like we would have all these conversations with different CPA firms and all of these issues would um, would fall into a, a handful of buckets. And the largest bucket that people would talk about is client issues. And Ford and I were having a conversation offline one day and I said, that issue has always bothered me. And he was like, why? And he was like, well, you as a CPA are in the client services business. So when your client is making mistakes like that, I see it as, isn't that your job? Like to help them fix that, to serve your client in that way? Like, shouldn't that be part of the service? And he said, well, yeah, I guess, but, and you know, then the original conversation went on and, but 
yeah anyways we could talk about that for yeah a whole podcast <laughs> so i mean the client experience is something that's that tech companies are very good at i mean these vc backed uh, softwares are throwing a bunch of money into making sure the client experience uh, is great. And I know you're heading up the client experience uh, efforts over there. You know, what do you uh, keep in mind as far as, are, are you getting a bunch of feedback from clients? Are you tweaking the software? So you guys are still in development. You know, how does that process go um, in regards to client experience? Yeah, we're definitely very, um, you know, I think the longer I'm here, the longer I'm working in this, uh, it's been, you know, two and a half years at this point, it feels like less time because of COVID, but, um, you know, we're constantly trying to learn. Um, and naively, we came out in 2020 and thought, this is going to be easy. We've got a great product and yeah. we're, about to, we're about to hit home runs. Um, and then we started learning how often we were going to strike out at the beginning, how yeah. often we were going to make mistakes. Um, and I think, you know, learning, adapting, taking feedback on the product definitely is still something that we're in, um, in process of doing right now. You know, we just had a conversation with, uh, I just had a conversation with a person the other week about, you know, product improvements and being very open-handed about that. Um, you know, always being okay with learning and being a little okay with failing um, and communicating that, you know, when, when we onboard a client, one of the things I tell them is like, Hey, if we make a mistake, the only way we're going to learn from it is if you tell us we made a mistake. And so I need to know when we make mistakes, I don't want you to feel bad about saying, Hey, I didn't like this. And ultimately we've had better relationships with clients and better relationships yeah. with people when we've had the opportunity to, you know, when we make a mistake, learn from it and have a conversation around that. And so I think that's a key thing that, especially in my old um, job, I learned that was just like, you know, owning up to mistakes when you make them and learning from them and adapting and fixing it so it goes forward. Um, I think that is a key part, especially with public accounting, because it's a little bit, it's a different uh, client base than some other tech fields are. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of learning that goes into it. And, and that's why the accelerator is great too. Um, you know, they have tons and tons of resources that they've been able to provide us with and point us to that are how we can make our client experience better. Um, because, you know, we're really kind of in our first batch of, of substantial clients. And so we're, we're learning on the fly, but um, we're learning. And that's, I think what's important is that we're kind of constantly in that framework of always improve, always learn. I love it. I love it. And where do you see public accounting, you know, going here in the future? Well, um, I hope that uh, every CPA firm in America is a once accounting. <laughs> um, no, I, um, where I see them going, um, not only just because of what we're doing, but because of what you're seeing, um, the larger firms start driving for, um, and what you're seeing the younger, like smaller firms start driving for, I, I think you're going to see uh, truly a lot more automation. Um, I do think that you're going to see uh, what you were talking about, Mark, like it kind of feels like 1040s, the more and more we talk to CPA firms, that type of work is less and less. So I, I think that, you know, 
the tax side of things is going to get a little more sophisticated and that some of the smaller side of things is going to be automated into the computers and not looked at that much again. Um, and I personally am really excited about what ESG is going to bring for the industry. I think that's going to be a huge piece for us in public accounting in the next in the next five years as um, this you know environmental impact reporting becomes you know mandated becomes something that people have to track you know there's a lot of unknown there still but i think it's a really interesting and open field um, but i think that the future for public accounting is really i'm very optimistic about it um, especially after just having witnessed what it did to my dad for so long and what he's been able to do as a CPA outside of what we've done as a, as a company, like as a tech company. Um, so I've witnessed that and I just see that as a possibility for so many other people and so many other firms that um, feel stuck, feel like they're struggling. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, my, my, my heart kind of beats for the small CPA firm. Um, yeah is because that's what I was raised around. And so I see a lot more hope for them than, oh my gosh, we're so overwhelmed by filing deadlines. And, you know, I see a lot of hope in terms of succession planning that like all these CPA firms aren't going to get rolled up in the, you know, the top 100. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see bright things in the future. I think it's going to center a lot more around um, like focusing in on, on consulting work, focusing yeah. in on smart tech and, um, you know, some changes, but I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. And yeah. the conferences are always super exciting to go to and, you know, just see people and, and hear what people are seeing at the larger firms. It's, it's a, it's a cool experience. Yeah. We can't, we may, we, we can't wait to meet you in San Diego here yeah. in less than three weeks. I know. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, super excited to hear your and Ford's talk. Uh, well, I couldn't uh, be more thankful for having you come on the show here and sharing uh, what you're doing over at Once Accounting. Uh, Mark, do you have any other questions for, for Will? No, no, but this has been great. It's been enlightening. Um, and and I'm, I'm really excited about what, about what you guys are doing. I think, I think you're solving a very real problem and will be helping a lot of people out. We sure hope so, man. That's, that's the idea. That's the goal. So awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on and giving us a little platform to talk about yeah, what we do. Yeah, of course. And then if they want, if the audience members want to reach out to you or Once Accounting, what's the best way to do so? Let's say if you want to uh, go to, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, that's the only social media I have. <laughs> um, you can follow Once Accounting on Twitter. It is at Once Accounting. Um, and you can also go to onceaccounting.com. Uh, you'll see some new logos here in the next week or two. We're pretty excited about that. All right. This rebrand process. Um, but uh, if you see things switch from, red to a different color if that's intentional uh, so but yeah follow us on uh follow us on linkedin and if you have any questions or want to reach out you can reach out to me um on linkedin my name is will awesome. baker we'd be love would love to chat we'll list all the information here in the show notes uh well thank you so much again for coming on mark thank you for joining thank you all right have a great day guys Thanks, guys. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office, LLC, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium.
You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.